This is the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Stories podcast series. Hi, I'm Mike Davis, and welcome to the Maverick Minister Deranged Bible Story podcast. Now, if you have listened to any of the other episodes in this series, then you might remember that these somewhat unique stories are based on my deranged thoughts regarding certain readings from the Jewish and Christian scriptures. This one, like the first and the second, is based on the first few chapters in the book of Genesis. I would like to remind everyone that these stories in no way claim divine inspiration, nor do they seek to demean the writings in the Bible. My hope is that they might be enlightening for some of you, and if not enlightening, maybe they will at least be entertaining. This story is based on the final part of the creation narrative in the book of Genesis. Here is deranged thought number three. Newton's Law of Gravitation Any particle of matter in the universe attracts any other with a force varying directly as the product of the masses and inversely as the square of the distance between them. Or, more simply stated, if you are standing on the earth and you throw something up in the air, the consequence of that action is that it must come down every time. So, is there a law of spiritual gravity as well? Does what we choose and what we do in life have a consequence every time? Well, at the beginning of this whole creation story, God told Adam and Eve that the consequence for eating the forbidden fruit would be their death. However, as we come to the close of this part of the story, that death consequence doesn't actually happen. So there must be a significant difference between Newton's law of gravity and God's law of spiritual gravity. What is the difference, and why? Chapter 3. Now what do we do? Now the snake convinced Eve to eat the fruit, which, by the way, tasted pretty good. And Eve convinced Adam to eat the fruit, which somehow made her feel a lot better about the whole thing. And Adam and Eve and the snake were just finishing something of a forbidden fruit fiesta when they heard footsteps coming down the garden path. When you live in a small, exclusive community like Eden, there are a few things that become almost second nature. For instance, it becomes easy to recognize who's coming down the path by the sound of their footsteps. After all, when there are only two people in God to even walk around, and the two people are together eating fruit. It isn't too difficult to tell who's coming. The fact that the whole garden shook with each footstep sort of helped to give it away, too. But regardless, God was coming, and Adam and Eve knew it. So Adam turned to Eve with a look of panic on his face and said, Oh my God! Exactly! She replied, and she looked at the snake and said, Now what do we do? Hide, said the snake and they all jumped up and started to run for cover. They hadn't gone more than a few steps when Eve cried, Stop! What about all the leaves and the peels? No problem, said Adam, who immediately fashioned the leaves and peels into two pair of shorts and a tank top. This just goes to prove that the forbidden fruit was not apples, but figs, since they were wearing fig leaves when God found them. And God did find them, dressed in fig leaves and cowering in the bushes. God looked at them for a moment and said, What's going on here? There was no answer. 
Why are you wearing those silly leaves? Adam looked up from the bushes and said, Well, we're trying out a new not-naked look for the fall. Naked? Who told you that you were naked? Wait a minute. You didn't eat any of the fruit from that forbidden tree we talked about, did you? There was no answer. I'm going to give you to the count of one to say something. And if you don't, I'm going to let you experience the true and total concept of transcendental non-existence and non-being. Adam quickly spoke up first. Now listen, God. You don't understand. It wasn't my fault. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, this whole thing was really your fault. God took a long, deep breath and looked at Adam. Finally, God said, This I gotta hear. Is really quite simple and logical. The man didn't even seem nervous. You gave me that woman over there, right? He was pointing to Eve. That's right, said God. I didn't ask you to make her anything, right? That's right, said God. And she gave me the fruit, right? If you say so, said God. Well, there you have it. It was all your fault. What do you mean it was all my fault, said God. Nobody held you down and made you eat that fruit, did they? Well, no. It's true that I ate it. But if you hadn't given the woman to me in the first place, she wouldn't have given me the fruit, and I wouldn't have had the opportunity to eat it, and none of us would be in this mess at all. So, she's the problem, and you created the problem, and I'm simply an innocent victim of all this. So you can clearly see that it's not my fault, right? Wrong. On so many levels, said God. Oh, said Adam. Oh, okay. Then the Lord turned to the woman and said, So, what do you have to say for yourself? The woman smiled demurely, wrinkled up her cute little nose, and answered God in a soft, sweet tone. Now, Lord, you know I'm not the one to be blamed for all of this. After all, you created me to be female, and you just can't hold me responsible for all my actions. I have mood swings, you know. Besides, this sweet-talking snake came along and turned my head with his good looks and fancy words. I just don't know what happened. One minute I was fighting temptation, and the next I was eating fruit. I couldn't help myself. I must have been overwhelmed by passion. Well, God just stood there looking at the woman and shaking the divine Godhead. God didn't say anything, just stood there. It was the only time in all of eternity that God has ever been at a complete loss for words. Finally, the Lord of all creation turned and looked at the serpent, who started talking before God even had a chance to speak. Now take it easy, Lord. After all, you know I was just following orders. And God said, the less you say from now on, the better off we'll all be.
So the snake has been very quiet ever since. Then God looked at Adam and Eve and said, I swear, I don't know what to do with you. I expected when I created you that you would make mistakes. I expected that you would do things that I told you not to do. I even sort of half expected that you would eat the fruit. I've been ready for you to test your independence and to make your own decisions, both good ones and bad ones. I expected that. I was even looking forward to that. But I never expected this. In my wildest imagination, I never thought that you would hide from me and lie to me and be so afraid of me that you would try and blame your mistakes on somebody else. I never thought that you would betray the bond that we share. I expected a lot more from you than that. You know, I like to think that I'm perfect. But maybe when I started you out here in the garden, I made a mistake, a miscalculation, or an error in judgment. Maybe you're just not ready to live in the Garden of Eden yet. Maybe it's too easy for you to take everything for granted here. I don't think you will ever be able to learn just how much you need me and how much you need each other here in this perfect place. But you have to learn those things. And the only way that I can think of to teach you now is to take you out of this garden and put you into the world. There you will have to take responsibility for your decisions and your actions. You'll have to depend on each other, and you'll have to love each other, or you won't be able to survive. Out there you'll have to learn something else as well. You'll have to learn to really trust me, because in the world I'm much more difficult to see and hear. But I'll be there. That's a promise. And I keep my promises. Please understand I'm not saying this just because I'm angry with you, and this is not your punishment. I'm sending you out of the garden because I love you so much that I can't just stand by and allow you to become anything less than what I created you to be. When I made you, it was in my own image, and I won't settle for allowing you to grow into anything less. To be like me, you have to learn how to love and trust. And obviously, that isn't nearly as easy for you as I thought it would be. When you've learned just how important we are to each other, then we'll come home. It shouldn't take too long, but no matter how long it takes, we'll be together. That's my promise. Okay, it's nitty-gritty, rubber-hits-the-road spiritual insight time. One of the great realities of life is that birth and death are the only two things about which we have no choice. One of the most liberating and frightening realizations in life is that, except for the aforementioned birth and death, everything else in life is our choice. We really don't have to do anything except what we choose to do. How can this complete freedom of choice be both liberating and frightening at the same time? Well, at first, the choice thing sounds incredibly liberating. We really don't have to do anything except what we choose to do. The liberating part ends when we realize that every choice has a consequence. And this is where the frightening part comes in. You see, since there are consequences to every choice, every action, and every decision we make, every time, 
and the consequences are based solely on the choices we make, then some of our consequences will be pleasant ones, some neutral, some unpleasant, and some downright terrifying, depending upon the decisions and actions we made. And perhaps the biggest problem with all of this is that we don't always know or even think about exactly what the consequences might be before we make a decision or take some kind of an action. This is one of the good reasons for rules and morals. They help us to have at least some idea of the decisions and actions which will bring about positive and negative consequences. However, even those rules don't always apply in every situation, and they cannot always be depended upon to produce the desired results of our decisions and our actions. All of that being the case, what's up with God's eat-the-fruit-and-die consequence in the creation story? It seems like that should have been a no-brainer, and that God should have turned Adam, Eve, and the snake extra crispy right after it was discovered they had eaten the fruit. But God didn't do that. In fact, God didn't even bring it up when they got caught. Did God just have a senior moment and forget about ever saying, Eat that fruit and you will die? Are there not always consequences to every choice and every action, every time, where God is concerned? The only sense I can make of it is that God must be far more concerned with us, our relationship with God, and our well-being, than with rules, morals, or consequences. Maybe that's because we are the something which makes being God satisfying and fulfilling. Or maybe it's because God really does love us and really didn't want to end humanity. Or maybe God was creating something new. Maybe this was the time when God created forgiveness. I don't know why God did it or why God does anything. And neither does anybody else. But I do know that it is a grave mistake to think that being human gives us any leverage with God, or that God is a pushover where consequences are concerned. Read the rest of the Bible, and it becomes very clear that God will not suspend gravity or any other natural law to save us from the consequences of our bad decisions and bad actions. So the bottom line spiritual insight is this. Don't make the mistake of believing that somehow gravity, Rules and consequences don't apply to you. If you are unsure about a decision or how to solve a problem, make what you know about your relationship with God a part of the process. I'm pretty well convinced that even though that wouldn't end all the negative consequences in our lives, it would certainly reduce their frequency, lessen our level of stress and anxiety, and make life much easier to deal with overall. This sounds like a reasonable, logical, and important life lesson. But unfortunately, most human beings tend to learn the most important life lessons the hard way. Or they don't learn them at all. Which is probably the reason why we haven't been able to move back into the Garden of Eden yet. Now that the creation story is complete, you might wonder if there is more in the Deranged Bible Story podcast series. Of course there is. Episode number four will examine how and why violence came into the creation. Uh-huh.